0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Inspired Attorney, hosted by me, Sharon B. Today we're talking with Jennifer Weinseck, who gives us insights as to how she balances her firm life with her teaching career. She also gives advice for those of you who are in law school becoming attorneys, and we touch on other topics such as billable hours and things that she has learned throughout her career. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Attorney.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience?
1: Yes. Uh, My name is Jennifer Weinsight. I am a partner in Bills & Sundberg Tax Group.
0: Great. And um, where are you from? So I'm originally from Michigan,
1: Um, just outside of Detroit. I uh, was I grew up there, started undergrad there. Um, and then I moved down to Florida after my first year in undergrad uh, and finished out down here and been here ever since. <laughs> um, so, so I spent half my life in Michigan and, and pretty much now more than half my life in, in, in Miami.
0: So what got you into law?
1: Um. Well, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm a bit of a, sports junkie so um, I was an athlete all throughout school and I kind of was one of those people that originally thought I was going to be a professional athlete even as a as a female I mean going this is going back to the 90s you know you didn't see a lot of professional women athletes but I still had that dream <laughs> Um, but that dream slowly <laughs> faded um, as I you know finished out um, my undergrad and sort of had to, figure out what I was going to do next. And uh, I was always kind of drawn to the law, uh, particularly law enforcement. So I kind of have this wild idea that maybe I go into uh, the FBI. Um, And and, uh, and so when I did some background uh, research about what kind of things that the FBI looks at for resume purposes, uh, I found out that, you know, one of the top, two degrees that they look for is accounting degree or a law degree. So I said, huh, okay. Well, accounting degree was certainly not going to be the option. Sorry for any of those who are also CPAs out there. But um, uh, I said, you know, I'll take a shot at going to law school. Um, It should be interesting. So that's what I did. Um, And while I was in law school, I was also a double major. I was doing the uh, business degree at the same time. And uh, I was forced as part of the business curriculum to take a basic federal income tax class. And I dreaded the thought of it and was trying to delay it as far possible as I could. And eventually I took the class and it pretty much opened my eyes. Uh, it really challenged me. And from then on, I was hooked. I took as many tax classes as I could before I graduated and moved on to get my tax O.M. degree. And now here I am about 15 years later.
0: That's amazing. And when did you become a part of the firm that you are now?
1: Uh, so I originally started my career at Baker McKenzie. Um, as, after I graduated, I was there for just about 10 years. So I moved over to oh uh, Gosh, I guess I'm going into year four. Time, time has uh, passed pretty quickly. <laughs>
0: yeah time does tend to do that. It flies right before our eyes. Yes. Um, yeah. I know that you also teach on the side, so how did you also get into that? Well,
1: it was probably when I was third or fourth year uh associate. there was some discussion about a new class that was being uh, started at University of Miami in their tax program where the dean of the school was like trying to get a lot of different practitioners' input on how to build a class, and I was asked to join uh, with one of the partners at the time. And from then on, I, I wanted that opportunity. I just thought maybe this would be a good, I you know at the time, resume builder. I didn't get to teach the class that I was helping out on at the beginning. I ended up teaching a class that uh, talks about. Taxation of Trusts and Estates, which is probably the hardest class to to teach uh, out there, and um, and probably the hardest class to sit in on as as a student too. I remember when I was a student in that class, but I had the opportunity when it came up, because uh, I told the dean I'd be interested if something came up, and that was the first class that came up, so I took it. Uh, I, I taught that class for three years, and then the class that I originally wanted to teach opened up and I jumped on that and switched switch to that class and I've been teaching that class ever since. So, I really enjoy it. Um it allows me to kind of stay on top of the law, um be, you know, I hate using the word expert, but at least kind of being uh viewed as, as an expert out there and but taking that aside, I really just enjoy the student and uh, the mentoring aspect. So, from the first class that I taught uh, through now just finishing up my most recent semester here last week, um, I stay in touch with all my students. Uh, they they reach out to me, and it, it's really been great, and it, it, it's good for also recruitment purposes. I now work with two of my former students, so it, it's really exciting and, and very, um, um, in some ways, getting the topic of this interview, inspirational, too. Uh, it's good to, you know, know that you might have played a part in, in some
0: person's, you know,
1: career path.
0: Which class are you teaching?
1: So right now I teach a class called Representing High Net Worth Individuals, which is really exactly what I do on a daily basis. So it, it's great. So I get to just, it's a very, really practical class. Um, I get to talk about what I do pretty much. You know, it's it's, it's not boring. It's not hard to teach. <laughs> the students enjoy it. Um, so yeah, so that, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm teaching now.
0: I think that's amazing because you're able to give them real world experience, um, about the class. Do you give any specific advice to your students? Oh yeah.
1: I, in fact, it's, it's kind of funny you say that, um, part of my class or all my classes, even the other class, I made it a point every, at the beginning of every class to spend about 10 minutes, uh, talking about career related advice um, you know we change the topic every week but uh, because I realized after graduating from law school that they you know law school isn't there to teach you to be prepared uh, for how to be a lawyer right it's so um, I try to focus on the practical things that they can expect after they graduate you know only we start from you know talking about networking to Uh, The interview process to the, um, you know, the first day on the job, you know, how to deal with um, assignments, interaction with partners, and, you know, so on and so forth through, you know, up to partnership tracks, assuming that, you know, their goals and they're in a a firm. Um, But yeah, it, it, so yeah, I do, I do spend quite a amount of time uh, giving, that type of advice to the students. And I always encourage them to set up meetings with me. And every year I get at least half the class that reaches out to me and asks for their own separate meeting with me to talk about how to approach uh, an interview that they may have or which firm they should reach out to. So um, it's really good. I like doing it. it. It makes me feel like I'm giving back in some way.
0: I think it's beautiful because it's so important to ask for help and also to be there to help people when they need it. So it goes hand in hand.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: So how do you manage everything that you have going on and maintain a work-life balance?
1: <laughs> um, well, it's kind of funny, as I was just saying with those career advice related topics that I discussed with my students. Um, one of those topics towards the end of the semester is the, the work-life balance topic. Um, and the, the I, 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 I call it the uh, work-life balance real or myth. You know, can you really achieve a work-life balance being a practice being full-time lawyer? Um, because it's not easy. So I always, you know, basically say, first and foremost, it is um, really about what you make of it, really. Um, because If you really want to be successful uh, as a lawyer, it it, it takes a lot of hard work and effort. Things just don't get handed to you. Most of the time, (laughs) things don't get handed to you on a silver platter. So if you want to be successful, chances are you are just going to be working a lot of hours uh, in order to get to where you want to be. And so what's left after that is really become the life. Part of it, right? Um, Because you know, working this is not a nine to five job, um, so it's not an easy career path by any stretch of the means. And you know, I want to make, particularly the students coming out of my class, to let them know that you know, hopefully, I can say this word in this interview that they really need to bust their ass uh, to to you know when they when they start off. And I interview a lot of people. And, you know, the last thing that you want to hear from somebody starting off, uh, is, you know, can I, can I work from home? Right. <laughs> um, you know, that, that to me is a, something that you earn. So, uh, but I also tell them that as much as you're going to have to work hard, that for me, the work-life balance has tended to revolve around being organized. So if you can organize yourself and, and and I live by my calendar. Um, if you can make sure you build things into your calendar to take breaks for yourself and do the things that you enjoy, that's going to be super important for work-life balance purposes. Um, you know the good thing with you know the practice of law is your, your schedule, while it can be quite hectic, can be uh, adjustable. So if you're the type of person like me that needs to work out to stay sane, um, you know, maybe it's, I get into the office at five 10, um, and I spend the morning to work out and maybe I stay an extra hour later in the office, whatever I need to do. Uh, but it's important you, you put it into your calendar because I'm the perfect example in my early days in my career. I didn't do that. I'm, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to this, but, um, you know, and I ended up getting sick a lot because I just, just kept going and working and working and working and, and not building in that work-life balance. But I also think there is a balance to your career and your work-life balance. So, um, and I go back to what I said at the beginning is that it really, it's about what you make of your professional career goals. And I can't tell anybody that everybody's different.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned that you work out. Is there anything else that you do to manage stress? um
1: for me it's pretty much the um you know the athletic activities that i like to do which unfortunately now uh some of those activities i can't do because of social distancing um so i'm sort of substituting with other things um i i also you know was very heavy into mixed martial arts um and that was a great stress relief because you'll you'll be you'll really be surprised that being able to hit things can help. <laughs> so um, uh, so I, I don't have much of that right now going on, but I, I'm doing my best. So for me, it's athletics, working out, being outside, getting some fresh air it is what I, is for me big stress relievers.
0: Those are great tips. What is one of the biggest challenges you feel like you have faced in your career and how did you respond to that challenge?
1: Yeah, I you know, that's a, t- a tough question. In a lot of ways, I feel like I've been blessed uh, in my career. Um, I-, I don't think of, that I've faced a lot of challenges that maybe I've heard some of my colleagues and peers over the years have faced, maybe because they're a woman um, or other, you know, issues that sometimes you hear about. Um so for me, you know, I feel like the biggest challenge so far has been when I made my decision to switch firms, because at the time, the tax practice group at my current firm was in expansion mode. So it was an exciting opportunity, but like with anything, there was that risk element too. And here I was with the same firm for 10 years, you kind of get a little complacent you don't know what's going to happen, but you, you know, it's like the old saying goes, you, you, you sort of, you, you know, um, you know what you have. So, and what you don't have is, is, it's scary. So, um, and sometimes it's just easier to stick with what you know. Um, but so for me, the, the, the switch making that decision and kind of maybe having to prove yourself again a little bit um, and to, uh have to uh contribute to the overall success of a practice group um that that's probably been the most challenging because you know in hindsight i didn't know how challenging it was um we had some bumps along the way um trying to find the right pieces some of those pieces you know left for one reason and the other and so now i think after so many years you know i didn't even think in the possibility of years um we we now have a really good team <laughs> but there was a but there was that years uh, that it took and i guess in my mind i was thinking more along the lines of months so so that was that definitely has been the most challenging
0: if you were to go back and give your self-advice in that moment, what would you tell yourself?
1: Um, for that particular challenge, that situation? Yeah. Um, probably to have asked more questions um, about what the firm's goals were with the practice group um, on... Um uh, whether it be compensation to how many team members to you know wh- whatever it goes into sort of building a team I, you know you in some shape or form there was probably a little negativity on my part because I had never done that so if if i if I knew how to build a team, it would have been a lot easier uh at the time um so I would have asked i would have asked more questions probably about around that. Um, that. That's what I can think of at the moment.
0: I think that's really great advice because oftentimes we really don't ask enough questions um, for whatever reason. And those help us guide ourselves, you know, on the right path. So yeah, one
1: way, I, you know, in one hand, I was excited to make the move. So, you know, maybe there was a rush in some way, you know, timing of things, things like that that can come up when you're making a career change or not a career change a a change in your um your uh, firm um that uh, again if i just would have taken maybe an extra day or two to to let things sink in and then ask more questions that probably would have made me feel more comfortable than when all the bumps and uh came up in the road i would have said oh okay this makes sense
0: yeah if we were to apply that same question to your career or also when you were in law school, what advice would you give yourself?
1: The, the thing that I think about law school the most is I wish I would have spent more time planning better for student loan debt. Um, you know, I, I I was blessed. My family, you know, um, paid for a great, you know, private high school education. Um, I had scholarship for, for undergrad. So everything after that, though, was on me. And that's fine. I'm, I'm glad that I did it. I think it made me a better, stronger person, but I definitely was not prepared for what student loan debt does to your psyche and, and the pressure, because it can be really crippling, um, to know that you have this big debt now they're looming and you feel like the only way that you can pay for it is to get that, that job that makes you, you get the biggest salary so you can start paying this thing down. Um, so I wish that schools did a better job of educating, uh, you know, pre-law students about student loan debt. And I really would like to see uh you know student loan debt change just uh, the system needs to change in some shape or form um, around that uh, because there's so much so much debt out there that are being carried um, not just by lawyers but but a lot of students in other types of fields. so that that would be my biggest thing is student loan debt.
0: Do you have any advice for people who are going through that?
1: You take the current situation that we're in, right? This crisis that we're all living through at the moment. Um, you, you know, would you, if for some reason you were laid off from your job, if you were, but they, not a lawyer, right? Um, you were laid off from your job and, and maybe that particular industry will never come back. So what do you do next? Um, uh, you might think about going back to school. But and what would you do? And you know, I remember back in '05. No, sorry, back in the early 2000s when they had the last sort of big market crash. There was a lot of movement of people going in back to school, right? And um I just, I, I just tell people that I get it. You know, we're in this. You have to figure out what to do in life. Um, you got to take care of your family. You got to take care of yourself. So you got to do what you got to do. But um understand that 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 loan debt may not be able to be easily paid back um that the i remember one time I looked into what an average uh salary of a Florida lawyer was and you know I think my my uh my jaw dropped because they, they don't make a lot there there there's a reason why there is a phrase called struggling lawyers right so um they're struggling because, uh, in a lot of ways, it's associated with the student loan debt and trying to maintain it. And those high-paying jobs are not always going to be available, and it and and that creates an environment of competition and and other things that come out of that. So, um, I, I just say that really, just think about these things ahead and prepare yourself for them later, um, as best as you can. Uh, maybe if you could talk to a financial advisor ahead of time, you know, I I wish I would have talked to a financial advisor ahead of time to know how much interest I was going to be paying on the back end and how much I would have, you know, need to make to cover those payments. You know, I'm blessed. I, I, I've, I've always had a very good paying job. So I, I, I'm totally blessed. But it's still my student loan debt has not been paid off. And it still looms over me. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, 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 really have people think about that, um, hard before, before making those decisions.
0: For sure. I think it's uh, such a relevant topic because in that moment you only see, you know, the potential, but you don't realize the reality of the situation. I'd add that
1: interestingly enough, um, I have my niece who lives with me, um, and she is going to be graduating. Uh, you know, she just finished up her semester. So she's graduating and, and her goal is to go to law school. But she's in the application LSAT phase right now. And I've been trying to talk to her about payment. of how are we going to pay for law school, right? Because I'm trying to teach her and trying to let her know about how much debt I have. And we need to figure out a, a way to... To help her not get into the same position that I was, because I'm not gonna be able to carry my own debt and take on her debt as well. So we have to come up with some solution here. I don't have it yet, but that's something
0: uh, that I actually am in the process of doing right now. Yeah, gonna have to get resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> so, with the current situation that we have going on with the coronavirus, how is your firm responding?
1: Uh the firm's been great. Um, you know, thankfully all of our practice groups, not just the tax practice group, um, were well positioned for what we call counter cyclical work. Um, everybody's super busy right now. Um, our staff is working from home. They're, you know, thankfully nobody's lost their job. Um we're all working very, very hard, and the firm has been very um, informative along the way. You know, there's what they call weekly town hall meetings, whether it's for the partners, to the associates, to the staff, to keep everybody up to date on what's going on with the firm because people are nervous. They just want to make sure that they're going to have a job to come back to. And so there's been that uh, transparency there uh, of making people know that we're doing well as a firm in comparison to a lot of our competitors. You know, we don't know how long that will go for. Obviously, the longer this this crisis uh, continues, um, the greater chance of some e- economic impact. But uh, so far, uh, the, the firm has been pretty nimble, and which has really helped us through this crisis so far.
0: In terms of like the work side of things, do you have anything that you feel that they've implemented that really helps people stay efficient while they're working at home?
1: Well, as I personally have worked from home uh, already about one to two times a week. I am personally am more efficient at home, um, but the staff, which were not able to work from home, I think... For them, what they're doing, uh, again, what I understand, I'm not uh, you know, entirely involved in, in this part, but I think that there is a, um, a process of where they're supposed to kind of give a daily um, rundown of what they did. Because uh, staff, unlike a, an attorney who would put in their billable time, right, you can kind of track what they're doing from that. But staff, they don't put billable time down how do you track it? So I think they've been trying to institute a, a daily just summary of what they worked on just to make sure that they're actually doing things. And I, I don't think we've had any issues around people like taking advantage of the fact that they're working from home. And I think the firms are also very lenient and flexible because some of our staff have children. And um, those who have children are dealing with having to be the teacher's or at least corral their children to sit in front of the computer, from what I understand, and uh, and try to, uh, you know, be a teacher and work at the same time, and it's very stressful. So I know that they've been pretty good about understanding that, you know, if you need to take two hours away because that's when the scheduled call for school is, then you you, you have to do it.
0: I think that's amazing because, you know, we're really all in this together. So allowing that balance is just great. Yep. Do you have any wishes for the future of, pra- of the practice of law?
1: Yes uh, and no. I think it's inevitable that artificial intelligence is going to, you know, continue to disrupt the practice of law as well as other industries. Uh, I just hope that it doesn't completely wipe out our jobs. Um, so, but I do think it's about trying to incorporate it into our jobs. Going back to the the work life balance point, um, I, I'm all for using AI in a way that would make our lives a little bit more efficient. Maybe that can't be always true for certain types of practices or um, you know projects that you may be working on, but I think the more that we can use it in a way to help us be more efficient, I'm all for. Um, The other thing that I've been uh, talking about to anybody who listens is I really um, now, after almost, you know, going on 15 years, a little bit, uh, um, I'm, I am not a fan of the billable hour. Um, So and I know that the people out there that who live and die by the billable hour, um, everybody I've talked to can't stand it. You know, you live your life in the 0.1 increments. Um, and I'm a big advocate of trying to find some other metric system to evaluate and compensate lawyers um, because it, I can't tell you how much it hurts the psyche to know that you work so hard through the year. You get to the end and then everything goes back to zero on January 1. It, it's like, it's it's such a defeating process over and over again. Um, and, and I know that people get really psychologically um, upset uh, over the billable hour system. It causes stress and anxiety. Um, I've seen it cause unnecessary competition between lawyers. And I've also seen it cause unethical billing for lawyers because they have to meet a certain quota and if they don't they don't get a bonus so they'll just pad pad their their billable hour now hopefully the person who's reviewing those bills would say wow this person took so much time to to work on this when they shouldn't have and hopefully will some red flags will come up but it just it doesn't create a good environment at the end of the day for all sides so I think we need to find a better system.
0: I think that's a great point to make. Do you uh, have any advice for your peers? Um, other than, you know, <laughs> and to, given the, what
1: we're facing today, today's environment, I would say just be patient and nice with everybody. We're all under a lot of stress. <laughs> um, that's all I have to say at the moment.
0: I think those are some beautiful words to close this out. Do you have anything to add?
1: No, I just wanted again, say thank you for the opportunity. Um, I am also open to, you know, people who might be listening to this conversation, uh, whether they're happen to be thinking about going into law or already in the practice of law and, want to talk more about their career choices and uh, issues, I, I'm, I'm open to, to talk to people.
0: Amazing. That's awesome. I'm sure people are definitely going to take advantage of that. I'm going to include your contact information and in the information below this video. Sure. Jennifer, thank you so much for being a part of the Inspired Attorney. No, thank you again. Thank you for watching. If you liked it, please give it a like so I know to continue making these for you and also follow or subscribe so you can see every episode of The Inspired Attorney as it is released to you. So until next time.